0: And it goes a little uh, you gotta like stop, this. collaborate, and listen. Julie's here with a brand new invention. This podcast grabs a hold of you tightly. Push the play button, listen to it daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Push subscribe and let's go.
1: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Dreamers Manual Podcast. If we haven't met yet, my name is Julie Calcote. I'm an online business manager, course creator of higher, higher Pants on Fire. And I serve creative and neuro-spicy online business owners who are looking to strategize, streamline, and find more freedom in their online business. Now, this isn't usually the case, but I really do feel like this episode is one that every business owner needs to listen to. And whether you're supporting other business owners, it can have that compounding domino effect. But When I say I literally took so many notes from this episode, I love podcasts and conversations that feel like a paid call or what people are discussing in their private conversations with clients or one-on-ones. It brings me so much joy to bring that value to you guys. And that's what today is. So today we have Katrina Scarlett. And Katrina is a powerhouse of customer service and customer experience. She's the founder and CEO of Scarlet & Co., a company that helps businesses create lasting legacies of raving, loyal fans through their mind-blowing customer experience. With a background in the luxury hospitality industry and years of providing tech and integration support to high-level business owners... Katrina has the unique ability to view digital business from a customer-centric lens. Knowing how automated and impersonal the digital business world can be, she is on a mission to bring customer experience and the human element to the forefront of online business. And when I say we talk about so many things today, from, from mistakes that business owners are making to four to five really specific places where you can take this information and get started today how to audit your customer experience, when to add in a human touch versus when can technology support you in your business and customer experience and so much more. I'm really really proud of this episode and I know you're going to love it and get so much from it. Now this episode was so good. You know, I record these just as conversations. I don't come to my podcast interviews with a bunch of canned questions. I want to be in the moment and experience this information as a listener would. And so we're going to try something out today. We have, this will be part one. And then in a couple days, we're going to release part two. So the conversation is broken up into these two pieces just to support you in being able to consume and integrate the information that's provided. And let me tell you. There's some juicy stuff in each part. I am more of a long form content queen. That's what I like to listen to in my own life. And when I did a poll on Instagram, you guys voted and said, the majority said they wanted a longer episode in two pieces. So we're going to try it out, but I would love to hear your feedback. And if you want to participate and really shape the content, what's being talked about here on the podcast and how things are being presented you can always find me on Instagram. It's at Julie Calcote OBM. Now on to Katrina. Katrina, welcome to the Dreamers Manual podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today.
0: Likewise, Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I'm excited.
1: Me too. Now we've given you a little intro in the beginning, but for those of the audience that haven't had a chance to connect with you before, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do in the online space?
0: Yeah. So I um, am the owner and founder of Scarlet & Co customer experience company. And so we work with business owners to help them kind of humanize their brand and bring customer experience and service to the forefront of their online business. So, you know, working with them to identify opportunities, successes, you know, their customer journey, really honing in on how they want people to interact with their business, how they want them to flow through their offers, and then down to even helping train their staff when it comes to customer service.
1: <laughs> That's lovely. So, how did you become? How did you develop your love for customer service? Because I imagine if you didn't do this sort of in a, in your past pre online business life, that you had to have that interest from somewhere.
0: Yes, well, I did in my pre life, as you know, the pre online life. So, prior to starting my business, which was about eight years ago now, I spent two decades in the luxury hospitality market. So, predominantly in the resort industry and typically in like guest relation, customer relation type roles. And then finishing the latter part of my career in event management with a really strong global luxury brand in the resort market. Did about four year stint on cruise ships as well too, and so yeah, so hospitality, that passion for service, that's always like that's in my blood at this point, like it's down to my bones. My first customer centric job was at like fifteen years old, and then it just I stayed in that space for pretty much two full decades after I graduated, and when I decided it was sort of time to move on and start like thinking about my own direction, I. The resort industry, for those who have ever worked in it, it's, it's a tough life. Like it's, it's grueling. It's 16, 17 hour days. And eventually as you get older, priorities change, right? You don't want to be a resort kid, as they say your whole life. And I recognize, and this is probably the same for a lot of people who worked in that corporate, you know, kind of standard environment is that nothing was going to change about my job. It was going to continue to be 16, 17 hour workdays. It was continue going to, it was going to continue to take up my weekend so that I was always declining plans, right? Always missing dinners. And so I recognized that I needed to kind of take control myself. And my dad is a program engineer. So along with hospitality, tech is like deep in my bones, probably before hospitality. And so tech is something I've always been around and I'm Thankful and lucky that it comes very inherently to me. So, when I started to consider leaving my resort career, I started to expose myself to the online business space, and more so by happy accident, I would say, and started to say like see myself going down that path, and I could see that there were some opportunities there, but I wasn't really sure like how you get your foot in the door and all that stuff. So. I took that leap of faith, you know, long story short, left my career in the resort industry. And I just started making connections. Like I went to online events. I started meeting people in the chat rooms. I kind of got myself visible just in that perspective, which opened up some introductions and, you know, reaching out and asking people how I could be of service to them. And then one day, so probably about three years, I I would say that I was kind of, a lot of people would have called me a tech and integration specialist at that point. Mm -hmm. And probably around my third year of business, you know, when I started finally turning a profit, because as they say, you know, you're usually not very profitable in your first two years, which was on point. I had a great client who I was on a call with one day and I can't remember how we got into it. But at one point they said, you know, I I don't continue to work with you because of your tech skills. And I was like, well, that's what I'm doing for you. So that's really weird to say. Um, And I was kind of like, okay, can you elaborate? And they're like, that's not your secret sauce. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I need you to give me more. And they're like, you bring such a customer-centric approach and hospitality, like level of service and you know that concierge mindset to my online business that nobody really has. Most people come in, they're all focused on the tech, the automation, streamlining, making everything less human She's like, and you're always asking me the questions is like, okay, well, how's that going to impact the customer? Is that, is that for the customer's benefit or is that for the business benefit? I'm like, oh, okay. Like, she's like, you need to leverage that more because you're, you're a secret weapon in the industry because people aren't necessarily people putting people first in the online space. They're putting systems and technology first and trying to remove themselves from the business as much as possible. So, yeah. So once I had that conversation, it was pivotal because I was like, oh. Okay. And then, so since then, I've just kind of been leveraging that and I started to step into those roles for various clients and then officially relaunched my business as Scarlet and Co., a customer experience company about two years ago. That's Very the exciting. like evolution.
1: <laughs> I love it. I didn't know about your interest in tech and your strength in tech, but it makes so much sense because I see it as sort of a beautiful marriage sometimes, but also it's for better, or for worse, it's completely intertwined, that customer experience. Mm. And I too have found that it's really rare to find people that think about how tech is working and specifically for that customer, because depending mm. on what you're selling, there are people who are very unsavvy to the online space. So they really, my husband, for example, we we'll click on things and he gets these emails and these upsells and he's all into it. It's really interesting to see from my point of view, because it's, it's hard to put myself in those shoes until I see him experiencing sort of a funnel and what he's thinking about it. But people really can be not very experienced with this space. And so mm-hmm. certain things can come across very, robotic or really be a turnoff if you don't think about that customer. And I mean, you could tell us more about that, but I'm curious where you see people make the most mistakes when it comes to tech and their customer experience journey.
0: That's such a, like a loaded question in many regards, but I think most people, they have the right intention initially, right? they get into business for the right reason, they want to be of service, they want to bring their skill set and help other people. I think one of the things that happens in the online space is we get so bogged down by all of the information overload and that, you know, that need to follow what somebody else is doing and for lack of a better term, funnel hack, right? And figure out like how other people are getting their success. And then that need to feel like you need to do it yourself. So I think there's a lot of robotic thinking to some degree and less focused on what's important to you and the people you serve, right? Practicing your own boundaries, following a value-based system and making your business work for you while also offering exceptional service to your customers, your clients, however you refer to them and not getting so bogged down and distracted by what tools should you use? What, you know, do you have a five-step funnel or do you have a two-step funnel? Do you have an upsell? Do you have a downsell? Because at the end of the day, the more you sit on that stuff, the more you are indecisive, the more you delay getting your services out there, the longer you aren't being of service to your ideal client, right? And so I think there's that, is that information overload, right? Allowing themselves to get distracted with, oh, well, so-and-so is using ClickFunnels. Maybe I shouldn't use ClickFunnels. Maybe I should use Funnel Gorgeous or whatever it might be. And then from there, I think it's the desire to automate too much, right? I think there is, I think it's less now. I will definitely say that. I think more and more people are getting into online business because they do wanna be of service and they recognize they have a unique skill set and talent. But there's also a lot of people in and getting into online business to make a quick dollar or so they think, right? Mm -hmm. And they over automate everything because they've prescribed to that vision of sitting on the beach, working two hours a week, letting your systems work for you, right? And I'm sure it works for some people, but it's short-lived, right? And that's why I think a lot of people don't recognize is that that concept of set it and forget it is so much baloney.
1: (laughs) It really is.
0: Yeah. Like you need to go back and you need to reevaluate things and make sure they're still aligned with you and make sure they're still working. (laughs) Right. You said it and forget it. You know, you could be putting money into Facebook ads with a funnel that's not even working because you haven't tested it recently. Right. So there's that, that over automated component. And I think pulled into that is a mistake in the sense of assuming your customers aren't savvy enough to notice. Mm -hmm. So Because there's so much of a focus on the online space now and so much business is done online, whether it's from, you know, Amazon or coaching programs or just, you know, binging on YouTube, whatever it might be. It's part of everybody's everyday life now. It's not an anomaly anymore. So the consumer is much more aware. Even if your husband, for example, is, you know, maybe not um, attuned to all the steps and all the intricacies and the tech that goes into the background they're aware of how you make them feel. They're aware if they feel valued or undervalued, right? They're aware if you see them as a number on their, on your email list or another human on the end of interaction, Mm -hmm. right? They're, they're not to say that they weren't savvy before, but before they weren't as exposed to the online space. Now they're, now they get the fact that if they opt into that PDF, they're going to get on your email list and they're going to start hearing from you. So I think some people make the mistake of thinking that overlooking their customer experience as a business owner and not paying attention to it is something that their customers won't notice. And that's not true. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's really powerful. I was thinking as you were talking and you mentioned a couple of things like having a values-based business, but this is something that I think about a lot for myself and for other people, because certainly I've been guilty of chasing that next thing, whether it's a certification Mm. or, you know, a way to put out my all the things like I'm (laughs) as guilty as everybody else. But I also really value authenticity. Mm. And you can see that people who are really able to innovate, step outside of the box a little, at least in my opinion, Mm -hmm. are they feel like they're always one step ahead, right? Because it's coming from inside of them. So I'm curious when you work with people, do you ever give them tips or how might you coach somebody to say like, listen, even if you don't know all of the things and all the technology (laughs) and how every single funnel works, inherently, you're going to know your customer, their pain points, and they're going to resonate with you. Like, how do you convince people of that and help them follow their North star a little bit more? Hi guys, it's Julie. I'm just popping in really quick just to say the other day I was teaching my kids how to do their laundry and there's a lot of steps, right? It's like open the machine, decide what type of laundry you have, push this button, add this type of soap, add if there's any pre-wash, change the temperature, all those things. And so we wrote down a little step-by-step list And it gave them so much confidence in being able to accomplish this task. And it gave me peace of mind knowing they could do it even if I wasn't standing right there. So it got me thinking, why are we not doing this in our business? Because with standard operating procedures and SOPs, yes, they might take a little bit more time up front, but it gives our team and us the confidence that someone can take a task in our business, accomplish it, and know if they're doing it right, and if they're doing a good job at it. So this is just a reminder that I have my top 15 SOPs that I use with my clients in my own business as templates for you for just $37. So you could take these, you can give these to your team members to create, but it gives you and your team that jump start to start delegating and get things off of your plate. Now the link is in the show notes, but you can find these SOPs at www.julietraining.com backslash SOP.
0: I think one of the really good ways of doing it is trying to put them in that, that customer position, right? So we'll usually do a lot of dialoguing and brainstorming about experiences they've had, the good and the bad, right? When, you know, tell me about one of the most recent great customer experiences you've had? Or like what's the number one thing? Like if you were going to tell a story, like what comes to mind from your experiences? And then we do that for the opposite, right? What is if somebody asks you about a crappy customer experience, what comes up? Most of us can call on like two or three experiences within the last couple of years that really stand out that we've told numerous friends to, right? And then I start to dig in with them on, okay, how did that make you feel? Why did that make you feel special? Why did that make you feel undervalued? You know, and we kind of just get into the nitty gritty of that because when you kind of, when you draw on your own customer experiences, it starts to make you identify where you stand in those values, in how you want to make people feel in the kind of legacy you're trying to leave in the world. And but a lot of people have a hard time articulating that. So if you draw back on past experiences for them, I think that's a really great place to start. So for me, whenever I have a good or a negative customer experience, I'm always saying to myself, okay, how do I how do I like how do I embody this if it was a good experience in my own business? Or if it was a negative experience, what do I do to prevent this from happening to my customers? And if you start going through your day, like the average human in a day in person now has about around 45 customer experience interactions. And that can be even to just with like a human interaction with other than their family and, you know, significant like colleagues and stuff. So you go to Starbucks, you probably deal with three or four staff, right? You walk into the grocery store after work, like you're having customer experience yourself as a business owner every single day. And in the online space, it is like amplified, right? So Mm -hmm. if you start paying attention to those experiences, past or current, you'll start to draw out things where you're like, I never want to do that to one of my customers. I don't ever want one of my customers to feel the way I just felt. And so that's really, I think, where we get started. And then we start to map out some really key components such as having a customer promise. What do you stand for in your business? And what do you not stand for, right? A lot of people don't necessarily niche down on what they don't stand for or what they don't do. And that can create some of that lack of clarity and confusion. So if you can get really articulate about, we don't stand for, you know, discrimination. We don't stand for X, Y, Z, then that also helps to create that customer promise. And so along with that, having an idea of once you know what your promises are, what your boundaries are, picturing the journey you want your people to go on, right? What are they feeling when they first learn of your brand? How are they going through their journey with you? What do your products and your services look like in terms of do they play into one another, right? I just had a call with a client of mine who I'm just just working with newly, And one of their challenges, their product servings or product stack, if you want to call it, is all over the place, right? They've got a workbook over here about something. They've got a thousand dollar course about something over here. They've got a group program about something completely different. And so none of it plays into each other, right? So somebody gets that workbook and then they're like, "What next, because there isn't necessarily a next thing for that person or it's not obvious to them. So asking those questions with the, with my clients as to, okay, they got your workbook. Now what, then what do you want to have happen? Right. So that you're actually creating a flow in your, in your business where they know what the next thing is and, or you are inviting them to the next thing because you have something that fits the next step.
1: I am smiling because (laughs) I'm thinking of my business owner's Clients that are very creative, maybe some neurodivergent or mm-hmm. spicy brains, and <laughs> even thinking about some things that I would like to launch this next year. And I haven't yet because I haven't made those connections for my own self because it does feel sometimes Mm-hmm. You certainly have the experience in it, but it feels like where's the connection though with those things. So yes. I love that you talk to your clients about that. I know that's super valuable just to dialogue those things with mm-hmm. somebody and having somebody look from the outside. I also wrote a note while you were talking because, I mean, why not make this into like a personal therapy session?
0: <laughs> of course. That's what I'm here for, Julie. Totally. <laughs> because I was
1: thinking for me, some of my best and worst customer experiences in the online space, let's say evolve around email communication and the speed, which someone gets back to me or not. Mm -hmm. So for example, I applied um, or not applied. I reached out to pay for this. What at the time was a huge expense. It was Mm -hmm. like really a stretch and I didn't hear back from the person for like two weeks. And then when they did, it was Like, well, I don't really have, I'm not offering this anymore, but you can kind of do that. But it was very impersonal, very like, it didn't acknowledge that for me at that time, that was like all of the profit that I had made that I was willing to put into this offer. But then to call my own self out a little bit, I don't, the way my business works, the way my life works, I am not connected to my email in that way either. Mm. And so I was wondering When you think about when you work with people and the role that technology plays, where do you start to draw the line of when something needs a human being versus when something needs a technology? Because I have an autoresponder, obviously, Mm -hmm. and even with that communication and setting those expectations I still feel like in the world that we live in, that can be very fast paced and very like instant gratification. Mm-hmm. If so, if you inquire about a surface and even if the email autoresponder says it could be 48 hours and you respond within that 48 hours, people can feel kind of let down by that, the timing of that response. Mm-hmm. So where do you find that for your clients, you recommend, I'm going to put a person here or a human touch versus where a technology would be a reasonable substitute.
0: Mm-hmm. I always get back to what's at the core of, of the business owner, right? So what is the the boundaries that, for example, if we're using you as the therapy session, right? What is the boundary that you want to have around communication? And one of the strongest things that a business owner can do in the online space, and one of the biggest mistakes they can make alternatively, is not to be proactive in their communication. So you need to set and be strong-minded on your boundaries and articulate them so that people can help you implement them, right? If let's just say, um, so for example, I have a boundary that I'm trying to implement for this year. I only respond to emails within the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 Mm p.m. If it's outside of those hours, not going to happen because I'm protecting that space for something else. And I also try not to live in my inbox either. Right. So for sure. I, I have a byline on all of my signatures that says I strive to respond to emails within 48 hours, Monday, Friday, between the hours of 10 AM to 4 PM. That goes out on any new email, any reply. And I just over and over and over. Right. Um, and I try my very best to practice that. And if there's that odd time, Um, where I do need to respond outside of an email, like say something's happening in the evening, and I respond outside of 4pm, I will then articulate back and maybe that email in a kind way and just say, just so you know, I'll be back online tomorrow. And I'll look forward to responding to your email after 10am. Right. And I just, again, try and articulate it because if we don't, if we don't communicate our boundaries as the business owner and what those boundaries are going to be for the business, maybe not just you as the business owner, right. But correspondingly your team and anyone who is working on behalf of the company, Mm -hmm. then we can't expect our clients and our customers and our prospects to respect them in return because they don't know otherwise. Right. So you almost have to train your customers to how your business does business. And that being said, not responding in two weeks unacceptable, right? Like you still need to follow through with what your promise is to your customers, your prospects, your overall audience. Right. And so if where I think automation steps in well is in those kinds of scenarios, is if there are things that continue to happen in meaning that like the ball gets dropped because it's just, it's becoming too much for a human to manage because either team the team hasn't grown in you know correlation with the business, or you know somebody has stepped away and there's a gap or something like that. Then let's look at options for automating it and trying to still make it feel humanized. Obviously, there's the things like having somebody go through a sales process or an opt-in. Right, you're going to have the tech there, and your you know your email sequences and nurturing after that. You can write those emails in a very good way that still has your tone, that still has your personality and make somebody forget that they're getting an automated email. So I think there's, there's that component too, right? You look at what you are automating and how can you still make it feel like they're having a human experience, even though they know, they know a system pushed that out at 8am, right? And recognizing that certain offers in to some regard, I would say demand a certain level of high touch. Mm-hmm. Right, and this is where I I would say that probably a lot of business owners nowadays are maybe dropping the ball a bit, is they think that they can give this the same level of service to somebody who just bought a twenty five thousand dollars high ticket coaching program, as they did for the person who just bought the fifteen hundred dollars self study course,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is not true. And you have to think about it in maybe a real world term, right? If I'm going to go and stay at a roadside motel, because I'm on a road trip, I'm going to expect a certain level of service, right? I'm going to expect a clean room, hopefully good check-in, check-out experience. Yeah. I'm not going to necessarily expect a lot more than that, right? Hopefully some security, like, you know, <laughs> but if I'm on my way on that road trip to go and stay at a Ritz Carlton, and I'm now, now I'm not spending $60 a night, now I'm spending $800 a night, you better believe that I expect a different experience when I walk into the Ritz-Carlton than I did at, you know, Joe and Bob's Roadside Motel. So there's a lot of people out there who are moving to a high, higher ticket model in their business. And rather than seeing that that also comes with an amplified experience for their customers, some are getting lost and just seeing it as a higher revenue point. Oh, I can just repackage this, drop a higher price point on it. And it's not going to, it's not going to be any more work that might work for the first four or five people who buy from you, but that's going to be really short lived success. And in the long term, probably more detrimental to your business because that word will spread, right? If I walk into a Ritz Carlton and I've spent $800 and I get Joe and Bob's roadside motel, That's not a good mix. So, people understanding more, business owners particularly, understanding more about what your customer anticipates and expects through different experiences with you, through different offers, products, services. If I buy a $15 PDF online and it's a low ticket price point and I get one or two emails afterwards, okay, great. If it served my need, I'm happy. If there's a typo in it, not the end of the world right? But if I buy and invest, I should say in a $25,000 program, and you've already got my money or most of it, and everything's automated, there's no high touch, there's no kind of concierge type feel to it. That's not going to jive with your ideal customer for very long. You know, you might get away with it for maybe the first time you put that program out. But eventually your customer in the industry is going to demand higher.
1: Absolutely. And I think if people don't already know
0: that people talk in the
1: online community (laughs) and they might not ever see that chatter out, somebody might not be posting that review somewhere, but people are certainly connected and having those conversations, even Mm -hmm. just from, I think I have testimonials, maybe on two courses that are out there and I still, and one I took probably four years ago, I still have people reaching out to me, which is totally fine. And just saying, I saw your testimonial here. Is this like, basically they're asking like, is this what you really think? Do you still think this? <laughs> they, It's just like, they yeah. want that reassurance. And I'm always, by the way, if you ever want it, like, I'm happy to have that conversation, mm-hmm. but those conversations are all going on behind the scenes. And the business owner, unless I tell them, aren't even going to know that those conversations took place. But there is a lot of that I find, especially in online space. And I've seen big names put together a quote mastermind Mm -hmm. with a little to no thought or effort, charge a premium price, and then not be able to fill it again, because everybody was in there tells all that like, this was not worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially when they're, they don't feel supported to the level that they expected, right? Like, there's certain expectations that come with high ticket price points with masterminds with same thing i i know somebody who sold a mastermind this was a couple of years ago now and they called it a mastermind they had 300 people in it oh my gosh that's not a mastermind by oh. most people's expectation Mm-mm. right so that's a very large group program right that's not intimate that's not community based in the sense where you get to know the people in the program with you. Like if I'm going to put my hard earned money and invested in a mastermind, I am looking for that expert to show up. Maybe not to every single call, especially if that's established in advance, right? Sometimes we're going to have support coaches who help. Um, but if it's not clarified, then I'm going to assume it's that person all the time for all the calls. And I would like to think that if I'm investing large ticket price points, that when I'm in the room in a call, there's opportunity to ask questions. Mm -hmm. There's opportunity to be seen and heard, right? I don't need the whole room to hear me by any means, but if I show up to a call and I've got a burning question and I'm sitting in a room in a mastermind program and there's 280 other people on the call, never gonna get my question answered. Mm -hmm. So like understanding that, you know, how you market your offers directly sets a perception of what level of experience comes with that offer, right? And more than anything else in the world, you always want to exceed those expectations mm-hmm. rather than the other way around. And I think that there's people out there who think that maybe people aren't savvy enough. They, they aren't, you know, overly invested in needing a good experience that they can pull wool over their eyes, Right. And like, I've, I've seen it happen more than I would like to say from my own experience and the stories I hear from people of just how let down they are. Right. And even if a high ticket price point for somebody might be $25,000, but the person standing beside them, a high ticket price point for them might be that $1,000 self-study course. Mm -hmm. And so not getting lost in just one set of your clientele, one set of your customer is really important because that person who today might be like really nervous about investing a thousand dollars with you very well could be a person who two years from now says, hell yeah, to that high ticket, $25,000 program. Mm -hmm. So that person deserves just as much respect and to feel valued, seen and heard as the person purchasing the $25,000 thing. They're not going to get as much of your time and investment back, obviously, but it all has to correlate. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's where a lot of online business owners these days or a fair amount are maybe kind of just missing the mark is that they're they're just assuming their audience wants it. They're going to love it because they've already made a name for themselves and whatever, they'll pay $25,000 for it. And they don't actually invest energy, time, and focus into what that experience will be. And then, like you said, people talk, right? People talk more in the online space, I think, than they do in person about, do. about experiences. The other thing I'd say too, and kind of thinking about like what you were saying with you know the mastermind and the other story you told too, is that customer experience and customer service are different. Most people think about them as one and the same. They use the terms interchangeably and that's okay, but they're actually different. Customer experience is that overall experience somebody has with your, with your business and with certain offers and programs. So you've got your overarching customer experience that you offer as a business owner. And then every individual offer you have out there has its own customer experience. So the customer experience within the customer experience, the customer service is that interaction they get with your business and your team when they need to interact with you. That's the human touch, right? That's Mm -hmm. the person on the other end of the support email. Do they respond with compassion? Did they listen to your concern or did they just say, thanks, Julie, reach out again. If you've got any trouble Mm -hmm. and super passive, super short. And it's also too, in that response time and when you're on calls, right? So that human touch that people have, that's the service part. That's the customer service part. And so you can have, and this is where I think some, I trip people up a lot because they don't think of it this way. You can have a business that has amazing customer experience. You can have the most beautiful websites, the most fancy funnel that everyone wants to hack, right? You can have the best copy in your emails and you could have the worst customer service Mm. or vice versa. You could have the best customer service. You could have the best person representing your company whether it's in a chat support, an email support perspective, live events, whatever it might be, one-to-one calls. But your actual overall customer experience could be completely disappointing and shoddy, for lack of a better term, because you haven't invested in making sure it's a streamlined process, making sure that things are clear and organized to your customer, that they know what's coming, they know what they should be doing next right? You just kind of take their money and run is kind of the scenario. Mm -hmm. And like, I like to say to people is that I'm sure you can picture this yourself. I'm sure many, many of your listeners can too, is that you see all these fancy infographics out there of a sales funnel and where does it end at the sale? Mm -hmm. There's a whole second, third, fourth, fifth page to that. You just don't ever see that infographic. Everyone thinks this is a funnel. People come in, they purchase and that's it. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more than that so so much more than that and when you really nail your customer service that's when that nurturing that's when that like raving loyal fan base comes and you build that legacy